Hey, dream chasers and aspiring game changers. I'm your host and brand coach, Lindria Reynolds, and welcome back to another episode of Next Level Brand Behavior. So of course, I'm here to help you stop overthinking and catch those dreams so you can elevate your life-transforming brand. Today, I am so excited because more, more than excited, I'm honored to have Mr. Brandon Frame with me on the mic. Brandon, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here and to share, and I'm looking forward to the conversation. Awesome, awesome. So Brandon is not your average nonprofit executive. He is a <laughs> visionary. And even talking to him briefly, he's so humble <laughs> about just his accomplishment and the work that he's doing in the community, um, which also just makes his brand so extraordinary to me. And so that makes me even more excited to chat with him today and have him inspire um, other executives or anyone who's trying to just really take their brands to the next level and really infuse their mission into the work that they're doing every day. So I'll give a brief very brief, brief, brief overview of um, what Brandon is doing. And I, I want Brandon to just kind of elaborate a little bit more on that. So like I said before, he's a visionary. He is literally the chief visionary officer at the Black Man Can. And the Black Man Can is so phenomenal. And their work has been seen on CBS, BET, ABC, and I'm pretty sure a lot of a lot of other important outlets. Um, he's also the deputy director of social emotional learning at the Urban Assembly Network. And so, Brandon, can you elaborate a little bit more on both of these um, organizations and the work that you're doing? Uh, yes, the Black Man Can Incorporated is a nonprofit organization uh, focused, a nonprofit and digital platform focused on celebrating, educating, and inspiring boys and men of color. So, we do that through media. Uh, content that we create, live events, um, and, and telling stories and narratives um, that celebrate that, that promote that mission. Um, and then at the Urban Assembly, the Urban Assembly is a nonprofit here in New York City uh, where um, I work on the social emotional learning team um, and we work with schools and districts um, around implementation and sustainability and building the capacity of schools to teach uh, social and emotional learning to young people. Awesome. Um, that's some awesome work that you're doing. Again, congratulations, Brandon, on all the work that you're doing um, yes. for the African-American community. It's, it's needed. And so um, thank you for taking the lead and, you know, being action oriented and doing that type of work. No problem. Thank you. So the question I always ask my guests in the beginning is, you know, what's your creative love story? I think that every human being is creative. And if you create something extraordinary, then you are creative. And so let us know what's your creative love story? You know, when did your gift make its debut? And, you know, who or what has inspired you along your journey? Um, I would say, um, well, when I, it's, it's interesting to think about the, the journey or the story I feel like it starts um, maybe more so college. I could think about some things that happened like prior to college, but I think in college, I always wanted to be a sports broadcaster. Um, but then um, this, I went to, I attended Morehouse College um, and they, that wasn't a degree program that they had. 
And so, um, cause I, I prioritized going over to Morehouse and going to Morehouse and the impact that that would ha- have over me uh, over going to a school that had the, the major that I wanted. Um, and so therefore I had to pick another, another degree. Um, and so I decided to do business and then within the business realm, um, just through like my own self-awareness, I was able to say like, you know what, I think marketing is where, um, is where I need to be. Um, I think it spoke to my strengths. And so I think from there, um, I kind of realized that, you know, I was, uh, well, what now we will call a creative, um, and, uh, that's kind of like my little story. And then from there, I mean, uh, MK Asante is one of my favorite scholars. Um, uh, and he says, once you make an observation, you have an obligation. So my creative love story kind of ties back into, uh, kind of my mission, um, for my life. Um, cause that quote is what guides my, like I'm actually in the process of applying to different graduate schools. Um, and like my personal statement is kind of this concept of once you make an observation, you have an obligation. And so when I was an undergrad, I made an observation um, that I wanted to be in education and youth development. Um, and so I had an obligation to follow through on that. And that's how I started education after college. I made an observation that boys and men of color need to see positive images of themselves, need to have their stories told. Uh, so I have an obligation to create it. That's the Black May Can. I made an observation that there needs to be a conversation around the intersection of hip hop and education. So I have an obligation to create it and that becomes um, hip hop ed. Um, and so, and just, and so on, like I could continue to give examples of this creative love story, but it really stems from the idea like, Oh, I got to college. I was like, you know, marketing um, is where I'm at because the way my brain works and the things that I think about, which then lends itself to, um, once you make an observation, you have an obligation. And so I've been able to create, uh, from that lens, that's the lens in which I create. So when I see things, um, see opportunity, that was what allows for me to then take the steps necessary to, to create and, and try to make impact in the world. I love it. I love it. Once you make an observation, you have an obligation I mean, that's taking action. You know, like what I mentioned earlier, I love that you take action. And thank you for sharing your story as well as your mission, um, which is important. I always tell my clients that you should have a personal mission um, so that no matter what organization you attach yourself to, you actually are doing the work that you are purposed to do. And it's the work that you love to do. And so thank you for giving me your mission statement as well as just really sharing your story. Oh, thank you. No problem. I'm again, you know, happy to share, um, you know, and hopefully I'm hoping that you have your, your clients and your listeners. And I hope that if there's one thing that I'll share that hopefully will be like, Oh, I could take that. It's a gem that I can take away. That's, that's my hope for today. So. Yes. I'm, and that was a big gem. <laughs> that was gem. That was a diamond. That was big. <laughs> um, so even with Brandon, you know, knowing that 
you know, once you make an ob- observation, you have an obligation to do something. And, you know, even the fact that you wanted to go into sports broadcasting when you were in college and then you transitioned over into um, marketing and because of self-awareness, which I think is so ap- important, um, is really having self-awareness um, so that you can actually know the next steps that you need to take in your journey in order to be successful. Um, but even on that journey, there may be obstacles along the way. And so as you're continuing to develop your own personal brand and moving into actually acting out your mission statement, have you had obstacles um, along the way? Well, absolutely. I think we all like we all have our different obstacles. What I like to say is I like to start turn stumbling blocks into stepping stones. And um, I can think of a time where just in, in, in the midst of my 20s, you know, just being a little depressed, you know, in terms of trying to figure things out and working through that. But that turned into opportunity to to get therapy and, and see a therapist um, so that I could get better. It's kind of like, you know, um, it's like uh, it's like so say 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 you want to lose weight. Right. You know, um, if you want to lose weight, you could you could just say like, you know, you could just pray to God and be like you know, God, you know, make me, make me smaller, but it don't work like that. You actually got to go to the gym. You got to get a trainer and you got to do this work. Right. And so the same thing with like the same thing when you're struggling uh, with anxiety or depression or anything like that, like that's why I have a therapist. Like you could sit and try to pray in a way, but that that don't work like that. You got to go get a coach. You got to get the therapist and um, do that. And then that's also allowed for me to then think about how we bring that same, um, notion of you can pray and see a therapist at the same time to all people, but especially black men, um, because uh, we we have a tendency to suffer in silence the most. Mm. Um, you know, so I think I think about that. So like again, everything is like oh, a stumbling block into a stepping stone. I remember in 2013, we had kind of uh, with the Black Man Can, we had got like our first kind of major um, media mention. We were in Jet Magazine. We were like in like one of the last two editions of Jet Magazine that ever was published, right? Wow. Um, and that 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 came out and I think maybe like a few days after that, after that the website crashed. And that was like three years of content that I lost, you know? And so um, but then we had to, you know, um, go and get a new designer and uh, build a whole new website, build it in a week so I could come out and, and be something good that people uh, and, and bring all the content that we had back to the fold, you know, so you have to persevere through those different things. Um, but then, the, the, but we actually needed to do a new website and we needed to change the look and make it more modern and sleek. So I think, you know, all those different types of things, those are just two examples of um, just different obstacles. Um, I think sometimes you deal with uh, imposter syndrome that can sink it, sink in sometimes or, you can uh, also what can sink in is uh, letting the internet rush you, you know. So like you see, you know, what people post and see things that are happening for people, and you're like, when are my blessings gonna come? So like all those different things I think can take place, or at least at one point in time uh, crossed my mind. But all those I turned those stumbling blocks into stepping stones to get to where I'm at now, um, and then continue to push forward um, and chart new territory and, and create new things. Wow. I love that stumbling blocks into stepping stones when you're so when you're looking at 
everything that could possibly be distractions and thinking, you know, I'm not there yet or why not me or, you know, I love for you to elaborate a little bit more on that. How do you just kind of block out the noise? People start to go into, you know, depression or they start to get anxiety and it can be kind of difficult to block out the noise. So what advice would you give someone who may be kind of heading down that road? How do they just kind of like, you know, block out the noise if they can? Um, you know, for me, I, I I would say I built that uh, up through my um, spiritual side, my relationship with God, I think has been able to do that for me. So I, I, I you know, the Bible is a really long book and there's lots of uh, scripture that you can quote and and talk about and reference. Uh, for me, there's three um, three lines in the Bible that um, mean the most to me and help guide me in terms of uh, maintaining like homeostasis and keeping me um, on on a straight and narrow, I guess you could say. Um, which is um, a righteous man's steps are ordered by the Lord, walk by faith and not by sight. And faith without work is dead. So for me, um, I'm able to move because I know that my steps are ordered. I already know that what's going to happen 10 years from now, he's already got in store, but I know what he promises me. So I know that all I have to do is keep continue to praise him um, and keep the faith uh, and do the work because those steps, my steps are already ordered and good things are on the way. Um, and with that, you walk by faith and not by sight. So while I know what I know that there's things to come, um, I, I continue to walk by faith. And I was I don't want to see it. I don't want to know. Um, I want to continue on the journey um, and experience it day by day, knowing that uh, down the road only good things will come because I keep my uh, I keep my faith. Um, so that's kind of like how for me that's uh, th- that right there. I'm, I, I wake up every day. I'm I'm extremely happy. I'm excited about each day and what's to come. Um, because those um, three lines in the Bible help guide my understanding of, around life. Nice. I love it. Um, my favorite scripture in the Bible is Jeremiah 29 and 11. And um, I I totally agree. Um, I always mm-hmm. have to kind of reference that scripture um, for myself because chameleon <laughs> syndrome for me is, you know, really thinking that you have to mimic someone else's journey and not really thinking about the fact that God has a plan for you, you know, to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope for a brighter future. He has a strategic plan just for you. We're all unique um, in our own special way because he created us in that way. So mm-hmm. Brandon, thank you for, you know, sharing your faith with us You're and, welcome. you know, being transparent about you know, what you use in order for you to just keep pressing forward on your journey um, to success and just in this life in itself, you know, just walking in this life every day and being okay with being who you are can sometimes be challenging. And so, so going back into elaborating a little bit more on the work that you're doing um, for African-American men and boys and you know, in our community, in the African-American, you know, community, men and boys are often tolerated and not celebrated. What, you know, what grassroots work can be done to help change that narrative? 
I mean, there are studies that show that even if black boys come from wealthy families, they still have a higher chance of living in poverty as adults than their white counterparts. So sometimes in the African-American community, it can sometimes feel a little bit hopeless. Like you're born this way and we just, there's, there's not much hope for us. So what can we do to change that narrative? Um, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, it's funny cause I, I, I sit around and I think about the things that we can do. And then I think, you know, it's really important to create the spaces for uh, black men and boys to thrive. I think um, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of right now um, is, or I'll say this, I, I mean, uh, and this is not to, uh, you know, pit people against um, each other or the genders against each other. Um, but I'll ask, so every, every weekend, every weekend or almost any day of the week, there is a brunch, there is a summit, there are workshops for um, women to go to um, that will allow for them to get the tools that they need to create the community for them to heal and restore. And so I'll constantly ask women, where, do you, where would you send your son? Where would you send your nephew? Where would you send your husband? Where would you send your boyfriend? to get that same nourishment that you're getting when you go to these events, where would you send them? Mm. And most of the time, there's not really a response. And so when we're talking about some of the grassroots work, that's, it is being intentional about also creating those same spaces because in order for us to, um, to, to heal toxic masculinity, in order for us to create men that are vulnerable, um, is for us to create those spaces. And so at the Black Man Can, that's just one of the things that we're thinking about and how we can be intentional um, in doing that and creating spaces where we can have men come together so we can foster accountability, build brotherhood, um, and allow for healing to take place. Because whenever you pull men together and we have those conversations around uh, marriage, around love, around um, the, things that, the things that we suffer in silence about, the healing takes place. Uh, but sometimes I think that um, as men, sometimes we think if we create those spaces or look for those spaces, that that makes us less masculine when actually it makes us all the more masculine um, because we're actually trying to get the tools that we need in order to be more to be better men for ourselves, for our families, for our children, for our community and for society as a whole. So I think it's just thinking about that. So like we recently did one with um, with some young boys. So we did. Um, Black Men Winning Wednesdays, which is one of our video campaigns. And so with that, we pulled boys who were interested in like the performing arts. Um, and so they got to read scripts, they got to be news anchors. And so they read scripts, read off the teleprompter. Um, and we also paid them for for that. And so I think that was just being intentional about one, bring boys to also tell positive stories about black men, but pulling boys together um, and creating that space for them to get to know each other and then build on their skills so they can be they can be better um, later on in life, you know, um, and then even just paying them, right, even as uh, young as, like, second grade um, and giving them that opportunity to be paid to do um, this, this campaign lets them know that their talents are to be, they should be paid for it as early as second grade. It's not that you need to do things for free, but, like, you have talents and you have skills and you should be comp compensated for it. So I think, you know, just being intentional, creating opportunities 
for young men um, is, is important in creating spaces for, for grown men to heal and restore, I think are really important. And that's kind of like the grassroots work that we need to do. And as, as we continue to do that on a grassroots level, um, we will then, um, it will become a national level. And I think also what's really important amongst men is that um, we have to allow for our egos to operate from a place of love. I think mm-hmm. one thing that does hold hold us back as men and even working together as men is that we um, there's ego involved in a lot of things that we do and people want to be the face of something or at the forefront or people are trying to figure out how to secure the bag. All these different things um, can impede us from actually building something special. Um, and, I, and I've seen all of it take place. So, um, but I think if we can overcome some of those, those obstacles, which are no stumbling blocks and the stepping stones, then we will move forward um, as a people. Yeah. When you're even thinking about the grassroots level work and then moving on to a national level work and just kind of thinking about accountability and kind of fostering these conversations about vulnerability. I know you don't do this work alone. And so how has building a community not only helped you thrive as a leader, but also your organization, you know, thrive in that way? Um, I always, I'm an advocate for building a community of advocates. Um, people say tribes, people <laughs> say network, um, but I, I strongly believe in a community. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something more personal about building this community. Mm-hmm. And so how has building a community helped you thrive? Uh, I mean, uh, we could spend a, a whole converse, a whole uh, podcast interview on just that topic, um, but I would say so I think how it's helped me thrive, um, it's helped me to, one, just learn and meet different people and the way different people think about a lot of different opportunities and let me know, like, if you're building a team, like, you want to have a team of, like, you want to have a lawyer, a doctor, a businessman, um, and, uh, and, and a barber, you know, all on one team, because everybody thinks differently based off what they do for a living or how they've been trained to think based off the education that they have received or what they try to do or in their life experience. Um, and what's been, mo- what's been so beneficial with the Black Man Can in particular um, around this particular topic is that we've built a community of men. So w- one of the staple programs that we have is our Building a Better Brother Summit. Um, and so we take the summit um, to different cities across the country. So we've done over 60 summits and impacted over 7,000 young men um, across uh, 13 different states. Um, And so, but what we've done is we've built um, a a mentor network of men who volunteer their time to come speak to the boys in the different cities. So like I'll send out an email and say, hey guys, we're traveling to this city and and then guys let me know. And then even in the cities that we go to, we add men to the network. Um, And guys just come when they're available because it is volunteer. And the most powerful thing is seeing men, one, they meet at these at the at the summit to do these workshops um, and speak life into boys. But then they also build uh, relationships. And I've seen guys work together. But the reason that they're not working together is that they met at a summit 
because they are synergy in terms of what they do. Or like I'll be at a summit. We just did a summit in Boston um, last month and I saw men show up and the last time they saw each other was at the summit we did in New York City. And so like, they like, yo, what's up, man? It's so good to see you, man. I've been seeing you on the gram, see you doing your thing. Like, you know, and so to have that community of men who um, believe in our mission and vision, but then also collectively outside um, are then working together and supporting each other. And, and again, we're creating those spaces while we come together just to work with young men and young boys. We're actually also creating a space for um, grown men to come and build uh, together and work together which I think is extremely powerful and needed. And so those are just different things that we think about um, here, but that's how building a community has been impactful. Um, not only is it that we've impacted young men all across the country, but uh, we have now grown men who, who call themselves brothers um, and are working together um, to do different things in different cities and different communities. And that right there brings me all the joy because it's not even something I even thought about what even happened I can't say I was intentional, like we're going to build this community. It really just kind of came to be um, just by the virtue of just doing the work that's needed. Oh, I love it. I love it that you said that they call themselves brothers. You know, brothers, there's a certain trust there when you call someone your brother. There's a certain loyalty there when you call, you know, call someone your brother. And so I love that you've built that community of trust and loyalty um, amongst these men and um, boys. And so um, thanks for sharing that. So, Brenda, when are you coming to Chicago? Um, you know, it's funny. I was in Chicago two weeks ago. Um, and interestingly enough, I was able to visit uh, the Urban Prep um, Inglewood campus. Um, and so we're in talks now to do a summit in Chicago. It, right now it would be with um, urban prep students um, and then hopefully that will be our four way for, foray into Chicago and we'll even be able to build more relationships and do more work in Chicago but right now um, the the intent is to do a, one, our building a better brother summit with urban prep um, and we're really excited about that possibility for 2020 and that's awesome urban prep is really great I was the director of marketing and brand development for an organization called After School Matters. And um, we ran a peacemakers program at o Urban Prep. And mm. I mean, just an amazing group of young men who really want to impact their communities and use their voice to impact their communities. And so um, they want to see change. They want to change the narrative. And so I'm super excited for that. And so please keep me posted. Absolutely. This next question is more so for you than even about, you know, your organization, you know, so knowing that brand visibility is important for any leader, how have you kept your personal brand relevant and accessible as a leader and a move maker in order for you to just continue to have this visibility and continue to thrive? Um, you know, I, I, I pretty much don't really say no to anything. I think any opportunity to connect with people, I'm here for it. Um, I, you know, I post, I mean, I just post on so social media probably is, is probably the best way to be able to do that. And, you know, just, just constantly share some of the different things that you're working on or when things happen. So I think social media has allowed me to do that. Uh, one thing that I make sure I do is I, I, 
I tend to, I'll tend to, if, if somebody is reaching out to say, Hey, would you, if, if I have the time, you know, it fits in my schedule, I pretty much will show up to anything. And like, sometimes like, I think, you know, people can, can, you can earn, earn certain awards and do certain things. And so then you start to, you know, uh, drink your own Kool-Aid and think you're above certain things. And so like, um, there's been a few things like I've been invited to and, you know, uh, sometimes people, some of the things would be like, I'm not, I'm not going to that. It might be only like 20 people there. Like, why would I show up to something like that? You know, I don't, I'm, I'm anything that allows for me to, to interact with people, meet new people, uh, support a cause that's important to me, whatever it may be. Um, I'm going to show up or like, uh, here's a, a perfect example is, um, I, um, I, I had, I got asked to speak at a university and um, I was like, cool, you know, I can do it. That'd be great. So they, um, so they, they, you know, bought the plane ticket, put me up in a hotel. But the university is like, um, tch, like two, two and a half hours from the airport. Cause it's like one of the universities, like in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> um, and so they asked me, you know, do you want a car service or are you, or would you be okay with students picking you up? And, most people, you know, you get to a point, you're like, man, give me that car service. You know, I get the black car, pick me up from the airport. But I was like, you know, uh, how do students come pick me up? And um, it was like three, it was three young men who came to pick me up in a hoopty, you know, a co- just a, a college student car. It was a college student car. Um, I, and, I, and, it was, and it was like a hatchback on top of that. So like there was no, there was only the front door. And I had to sit in the back. Um, and, and it was the greatest conversation over two and a half hours. We stopped and got some Chick-fil-A and, um, when I touched down and then we rode out to the university and we had this great conversation and I know that I could have been like, yo, do the car service. But I knew that I'm not like, it's not about that. It's not about that. If I'm getting a car service, it's not either way. I'm gonna get to the location. The car service may seem fancier or nicer, like, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. But what's more important to me is being able to have the opportunity to have, I didn't even know it was going to be three, but three young men that were in college come pick me up. And then we get to wrap over two and a half hours about life um, and their futures and their goals and politics and everything over two and a half hours. And it was, it was dope. And that relationship, uh, those relationships are ones that I can carry on afterwards um, as opposed to me sitting in the car by myself for two and a half hours on the way to a university. And so that's just kind of how I roll and that's how I'm going to live. And I'm always going to be that way. Wow. I l- I'm so glad you shared that story. Um, Cause that's, I mean, it's just you doing that is authentic to your brand with the work that you're doing with boys. And, you know, I would think if you didn't ride with them and took the car, I probably will question your work. <laughs> like, man, he actually, um, I think that's cool. It's super down to earth. And um, you're always talking about, I mean, with your organization, Raising Kings. What better way to build relationships and, you know, take that ride with some, you know, some young kings so you can continue to um, pour into mm-hmm. them and, you know, really help them to thrive as young men. And so, don't like despise those moments 
you know, those opportunities to continue to do the work that you're doing and continue to carry out your mission. And I love that you're doing that, Brandon. I love that you shared that story. That was really important. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying to, you know, hopefully hopefully I just drop a gem or two, you know, uh, in in the podcast, man, you know, so and and hopefully you get that that, that type of feedback that, you know, that come back and say, hey, you know, that that was the wrong guy. You need to get somebody else, you know, so hopefully as long as they don't say that, then then we're good. No, I doubt it. I doubt. I told you dropping diamonds. I I doubt <laughs> that anybody's gonna say <laughs> that was wrong. I think that that was cool, and I I always push for authenticity, and I love authentic conversations and authentic moments. And for me, that was like super powerful. Just that one moment of you driving and I mean riding in the car with those young men. It's just authentic to your brand. I'm an advocate for relationship building as you're continue to as you're continuing to develop your brand um, because you just never know who's in the room with you and you know what impact you can have on their lives and what impact they can have on yours in the future. You just you never know. So absolutely, I thank you for sharing that that car ride story. I think that's <laughs> awesome. So Brandon, what would you tell your younger self? Uh, I would tell myself that, you know, I would say one, um, <laughs> interesting, I'd be like, don't worry that the girls don't like you. They they might like you when you get a little older. <laughs> um, I would tell myself that because that was something like when I was younger, I have a whole story about it. So it's more so like, you know, that, you know, you get really caught up in like, you know, you want people to like you and particularly you want girls to like you like, oh, like. Why doesn't she like me, you know? Um, so I would tell myself that. I would also tell myself, don't let the internet rush you. That's probably, I mentioned it earlier, but I would probably hyper-focus on that just because my younger, if my younger self was living now, they, I, my younger self would have access to social media that I didn't have when I was actually like 10 or 12 or even 15 years old, right? Like that's literally how much time has changed in the last like 10 to 12 years, right? That the 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 i like the iPhone came out in the late two thousands right I was in college when the iPhone came out like, I didn't we didn't when I graduated from high school the the iPhone didn't exist yet right so I think um, I would tell my younger self not to um, worry about um, don't let the internet rush you so don't and don't compare yourself to other people because when I was younger my younger self now that's not even something we worried about. Um, in terms of like, I, like I think about with some of the, in one of my schools and how we had a whole issue because a kid saw on um, Snapchat that a bunch of other kids were hanging out, and then that kid was wondering why they didn't get invited. Hmm. And so, like, and when I was younger, like you might find out in school, but it wouldn't be like why I get invited. Like you might be like, you know. Like, I mean, they could have lived on the other side of town and like, how would you have actually gotten there? You know what I mean? Like, that's just a, you know, like I hang out with my people, boom. But like now with with the way the internet works and you can see like, wait, a kid will question like, well, did they play in this before school? Like, why did they tell me, you know, and seeing kids develop like anxiety and, and forms of depression because they're not fitting in and stuff like that. So I would definitely talk to my younger self about not comparing myself. And then I would also tell my younger self to... Um, put forth your best effort in everything that you do. I would say that up until college, I probably did, uh, depending on what it, whatever the task was, I either did 
good, just what I needed to do or good enough, or I might have went above above and beyond if depending on this depending on what it was. Um, it wasn't until college, and this is one reason why the black man can't exist. But it wasn't until college and attending Morehouse that Morehouse told like Morehouse told me like the that I can pursue excellence with impactful effort and that I belong in the world and that like as a black man I can be um, confident um, and I belong and I can uh, accomplish amazing things um, and that anything I put my mind to can become reality and that's what Morehouse taught me but that was at you know 17 18 years old so I would tell my younger self that same thing um, as well as um, try to seek out things um, that allow for that mindset to be cultivated, which is why the black man can't exist and we do what we do with younger students, um, with young men, because I know that it, I, it didn't hit me that the black man can until I got to college. Um, but I want young men to know that they can when they're like eight, nine, and 12 years old and stuff. Nice. Um, I'm glad you brought up social media because it does, you know, social media can create illusions and, you know, really, it really can affect you. Um, I think if I can get this right, there was a study that said something about, um, the anxiety of a photo getting liked. Um, I think it was done by like ABC where they just show people, posting their picture and, and just the amount of anxiety that comes waiting for someone to like your photo and just you needing that, you know, just needing that. That, that validation. Yes. The validation. <laughs> yes. Needing that validation. Um, for some reason I was about to say verification. I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> but needing that validation, you know, is so important. And I couldn't imagine, you know, being a teenager now and even as an adult, it's kind of you still a lot of us struggle with needing that validation. And then to be a child and not be, you know, mature enough to even understand certain things. And so I, I'm glad you shared that. I wonder too, um, you mentioned Morehouse. Do you think that your younger self wished that you had graduated when Robert F. Smith gave all that money to Morehouse and you know, <laughs> got your tuition? Um, I mean, I, I would say that would have been great. I would say like, you know, I mean, I'm happy for that. I'm, I, I think that student loan reform is something that's really important that needs to happen for um, the country, um, I don't want to, I graduated with about $30,000 in debt and uh, I have a whole philosophy around student loan debt and like kids going to college and like, and the amount of debt that you should take out. I don't think that, uh, it's like, oh, I'm not going to school cause I don't want to take out debt. Like, you know, if depending on your situation where you are, you're going to take out some debt, but it's a conversation around how much debt you should actually take out for your undergraduate degree. Um, but no, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm I love my class. I love the class of 2009. I'm celebrating 10 years um, in two weeks at homecoming. So I'm I'm here for it, um, and I'm happy for the next group uh, of the young men that this happened to. Um, and I hope that again politically we get some sort of reform around student loans, um, so that you know people aren't going into debt um, for college um, because it's, it's, it it shouldn't come to that. Um, and we just definitely need some change, some change there because the, the student loan crisis that we do have is, is going to cripple 
the nation um, and we need to you know make some changes around that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Brandon, what's next for you? Uh, what's next for me? Well, um, I this year I did come out with a children's book, so I'm continuing to um, go around to schools and, and read to kids uh, with my children's book that I co-authored with Tanae Deneen Eskridge um, out of Los Angeles, California. I'm looking to apply to different graduate schools um, because I, um, I have some ambitions around being a systems level leader in public education. So I'm looking at um, going back to school so I can uh, pursue that. Um, we're working on a few opportunities with the Black Man Can to continue to build our brand um, and continue to grow the different events uh, and digital curation that we're doing and take it to the next level. So I'm excited about um, 2020 and where we could be. I think overall, and I was literally just having this conversation um, not too long ago around, uh, for me, I graduated in 2009, uh, started working roughly, you know, September uh, 2009, right? And so when you think about that, it's right on the cusp of a new decade, right? And here we are 10 years later, uh, about to end that decade. Um, and I think about the 10 years in which I graduated from college um, and now, you know, living in the world and, and being an adult. Um, I'm so excited to take what I've been able to do over the course of 10 years and build upon that for the next 20 years. So uh, maybe we'll get a chance to do another podcast and we'll do it in uh, 2029. Um, and we'll be like, you know, I was talking about doing this, 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 and this. And then hopefully in 2029, I've done that. And we've been able to build upon all the things that you, why even on the podcast now, um, hopefully we'll be able to say, look what we did for the next 10 years that built upon the previous 10 years. Um, let's just continue to create impact and legacy um, across the world and, and for communities and for my family. So. I love it. I'm going to send you an invite for 2029. All right. <laughs> the next time we do it, I'm going to come to New York. So okay. you can do it in person. Or maybe, or maybe, it'll, be, or maybe it'll be in Chicago. You said what? <laughs> or you maybe say? we'll do it in Chicago. Maybe we'll do a live event. I'm here for it. I like it. Yes. All right. So my last question for you, um, which is a very, very important question, because you're doing some great stuff. You have an amazing organization and you're writing a church, a children's book, um, which is really phenomenal. And so how can people connect with you? Um, you can connect with me. Email is brandon.m.frame at gmail.com. Um, you can connect with me on Facebook, just Brandon Frame. Twitter and Instagram is at Brandon Frame or at The Black Man Can on both of those. So that's the way to get in touch with me. I love, I welcome all emails, all direct messages uh, so we can build and grow, connect and collaborate. Because um, if we do that, uh, that's how we create collective and sustainable change. So let's let's get to it. I'm down for the cause and down to make it happen. Okay. On that, I think that's it. You know, I... I don't even want to say anything after that. <laughs> after that, right. that was, that's awesome. Um, if I can actually, no, I just want to say, I do want to say one thing um, that's really sticking with me. Um, actually, two quick things that you said about 
stumbling blocks into stepping stones. You know, if that's the mm-hmm. takeaway from the conversation is turning stumbling blocks into stepping stones because we always think of those blocks as obstacles, but we kind of try to change our mindset around it. We can really do some great things. So Brandon, thank you for saying that. And the other thing I wanted to mention was once you make an observation, you have an obligation. And so really taking action in order to, you know, reach your goals or help someone else reach their goals. And you can really make some serious impact in the world. You know, not just your community, it can just become a domino effect and really affect the world. So um, if I can leave my audience with anything, uh, along with all the diamonds that <laughs> were dropped here today um, by Mr. Brandon Frame. Um, please remember that as you continue to develop your brand, you know, carry your mission throughout, you know, all the work that you're doing. So thank you, Brandon. Thank you for this conversation. Yeah. It was awesome. And we will talk soon. Absolutely. No, thank you for having me. I'm truly honored. And this was a blessing. And I'm just truly appreciative. So thank you. Thank you.